This is On Target, a look at politics, crime, education, what's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador with the people who know. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your On Target host, Linda Swain. Good afternoon, everyone. Well, you don't have to be living in this province very long to realize that Newfoundlanders and Labradorians have always been good at telling a yarn. Our collective history is based on storytelling and passing information on from one generation to the next, uh, primarily in the absence of written records. Uh, recitations often involve notable disasters, the efforts and heroism of local residents, but they were also... Of course, great entertainment, something to amuse and gain attention or even involve a little one-upmanship smoke room on the Kyle comes immediately to mind. With the onset of, well, you know, electricity in the last century, then television and now social media, you'd think the art form would be dead. But there are a number of people who have honed the skill of recitation and dare I say are making a living at it? <laughs> I'll leave that open question there. Well, my guest today is someone who might be a familiar to a lot of our listeners, Dave Penny. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Oh, great. Sun is out. Everything is great. <laughs> exactly. So by means of introduction to our audience, in case they don't know your name, you're the guy mm -hmm. responsible for I'm a Newfoundlander, bacon, bread, and partridge berry pie. Right. Yeah, yeah. That, that's my one of the, I guess, my life achievements. Is <laughs> <laughs> and Johnny Chrome, of course, one of my favorites. Oh, there you go. Yep, that too. Thank you. <laughs> well, we have a long tradition here. I'm, I've got roots in Perry's Cove. Many people who might know the name oh, Swain yeah. know Perry's Cove. And I, I grew up with Aunt Martha's sheep, of course, and the story there, which is, so we're told, based on a true events. Well, what is it about the Newfoundland psyche that is attracted to these amusing takes, I suppose, on events and, and history? Yeah, like well, I guess it's uh, I guess it's not not unique to here, but uh, places like this, and I guess we're maybe uh, I don't know traditionally, not now certainly, but traditionally I guess it, a lot of it was due to isolation. You know, I would think. I mean, I wasn't around 200 years ago, but I would say that isolation had a big part of it. I mean, if you didn't have uh, you know new stories and songs coming to you on a regular basis like we do now you make up your own kind of thing you know um whereas now of course uh you know it's not quite the same because we you can get whatever you whatever you want whenever you want it but uh traditionally i guess that would have been the case and there's something about them they're they never seem cruel or or overly bombastic you know what i mean uh, there right. are storytelling traditions whereas you know we are the greatest and this is that and uh, you know those <laughs> kinds of things it's never kind of that way it's always kind of gentle knowing and and this sort of not in a wink amusing understanding of you know the foibles of life i suppose true enough yeah i know that's kind of delivered on on my end and um you know, I, I, I try not to take either myself or life too seriously, at least not, you, you know, not in that form. Right. I, I wouldn't want to. I, don't, I generally don't tackle big, serious things, at least not current serious things, you know. 
No, for sure. So how, how did you get involved in storytelling and recitation? Uh, actually, well, there was... I've always been into Newfoundland music, at least, you know, a large part, a large part of uh, of me growing up. You know, I've always, I've always sort of had one foot in the Newfoundland music and Newfoundland culture um, scene. But as uh, eventually around, I don't know, I'm going to say the, you know, the late '90s or so, I was introduced to the. Um, then what's what's now the Newfoundland and Labrador Folk Arts Society it was the St. John's Folk Arts Council then and just sort of when it was introduced to a lot of people with similar with similar uh, you know similar interests and then I guess through that you know got lots of um, lots of exposure to new uh, new songs and in and 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 I guess through all that sort of really zoned, zoned in on what I liked the best, which was, uh, at the time and, and now, lighthearted, you know, comic songs, generally. But as for writing them, I don't know, it's just something I always wanted to do and couldn't, couldn't do <laughs> until, couldn't, until I sort of found my own feet. But there's a song circle at the Crow's Nest that started up. And I started going to that, and then I guess that's unaccompanied songs and recitations and things like that. And uh, I just started writing songs for that. It's it's a monthly event, and then, I don't know, it kind of went from there. Recitations often follow a, a, a rhythm, uh, if you know what I'm saying. Does, it, does right. that come yeah. naturally, or is that a, a helpful way to remember all the words? <laughs> That's a great question, and it's it's funny because uh, I for, I forgot to mention earlier there what sort of put a little turbo boost in this whole writing recitation things was um, was the inception of from stage to stage. So that's Harry Ingram and Dave Padden and Hubert Fury and myself. We have a, a recitation group, if I guess you could call it that. Uh, it started. We were going to do a show at the LSVU Hall. And that was, oh, I'm just going to say 10 years ago now, and we did a show ever since, and uh, three recordings and three tours. So, uh, you know, a lot of material came about in that time. But to answer your question, after we do those shows, uh, you kind of sink in this cadence. (laughs) It's almost almost annoying. (laughs) Like if you're writing a recitation or or if you're... Uh, you know, doing one after the other, then you sort of start to think in rhyme or in cadence or both. That's funny. (laughs) Especially if you're trying to memorize one that you just wrote. Um, You know, that'll, you know, so, so yes, answer your question, you do. And as for remembering them, sometimes the rhyme does help. Personally, I think I'd be a lot longer memorizing a piece it doesn't rhyme, I guess. You know, it's kind of a hint as to what's coming next or a memory jog, you know. How long are they, generally speaking? Like, does your memory hit a certain point where, you know, I really can't go beyond this, so I'm going to make it about this long? <laughs> no, not really. I can't say so, because some are longer than others. Some are two minutes, some are four. Um, you know, it just depends on when the story concludes, I guess. I try not to, start, I try not to have a, a time limit on it you know because then you might sort of give up before 
saying what it is, you know, sort of, you know, affecting the natural flow of the story, I guess I'll say, you know. But, uh, you know, obviously the longer ones take longer to memorize, but once it's there, it's there. Once it's in your long-term memory, it's there for good, at least I hope. Are they hard to write, or do they sort of start to come naturally? They're harder to memorize, to be honest with you. I don't know. It depends. Uh, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Sometimes, um, sometimes it comes pretty quickly, and sometimes you know, you start it, and you put it down, and you pick it up, you know, a year later. So you know, sometimes uh, you know you can go for a bike ride and, and finish it before you get home. A bike ride, and we'll get into that now in a minute. But where where do your uh, uh, where do your ideas come from? Is it from you know a casual observation saying now, yeah, I I got a line for this. I'm going to build on this later, or what? Yeah, pretty much. Or sometimes um, sometimes something. Well, I'll give you an example now. Like the uh, I wrote one in COVID called Inside Your Bubble. It was right when the bubble the bubble started. So I had an idea of all of us in actual bubbles <laughs> you know? and then wrote a you know wrote a recitation about it or when da- john when when dr Hagee said the famous um you know licking the shopping cart handles line i wrote a song about that so they were kind of very obvious so oh you know got to do something about that or dark nl was another one other times it can be just some random thought um, you know, just some totally made-up story, and sometimes somebody will tell me something and say, you know, that'll make a good recitation or a good song or whatever. So, you know, it all depends. So you get suggestions. You'll take suggestions. Sometimes, yeah. A lot of, <laughs> a bit of pressure in suggestions. There are, <laughs> and sometimes they're not always inspiring. Yeah, oh, you got to do something about that. Oh, do I? <laughs> what if I can't? What if I don't want to? But sometimes, yeah, it works. Sometimes it's great, and it's funny. Uh, you know, it's it's fun getting those suggestions. It's nice, you know, it's nice to be thought about. I suppose. For sure, and uh, uh, we're going to when we come back after the break, we're going to start off with um, Johnny Chrome. It's one of my favorites, and I know my husband. Every time he hears it come on the radio, he's got to turn it up. <laughs> so, uh, and I want to talk to you a little bit about Johnny Chrome when we come back after the great. break. Sure. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM. And we're back. My guest today on On Target is Newfoundland raconteur. You like that? Dave Penny? (laughs) Um, What do you call yourself, Dave? Oh, I don't know. I got an entertainer, I suppose. It would be one blanket term for it. All right. Well, our guest today is uh, Newfoundland entertainer Dave Penny. Uh, he has uh, put out a, a few recitations and songs in the last little while, and one of them a lot of our, our um, listeners would be familiar with, and it's Johnny Chrome, one of my favorites. We're going to hear from it now, and I'll ask you a little bit about this when we come back right after this. 
It was a lovely day in June up until it was nearly ruined. I was on my pedal bike and headed back for home. I heard a rumble turn to see a great big truck come down at me and that encounter was the first time I met Johnny Chrome. I calls him Johnny Chrome because he loves the stuff and that's what he does. His pickup truck is lined with chrome from top down to the rims. Shiny handles, hood protectors, running boards and bug deflectors. Shiny chrome plate on the mirror and the fender trim. Two big smoke sacks in the pan just like the ones in Come By Chance. Said a great big knobby tires as wide as they were round. And stickers covered the sides and back and windows tinted solid black. And extra high suspension put her six feet off the ground. Around the corner of Barter's Hill, he turned and put me face to grill. He saw me too, I knows he did, but still he didn't swerve. I spit and sputtered and cursed and hissed, took off and said, enough of this. And rode my bike in front of him just to get on his nerves. I stood and pedaled up on my hog and down we went across the bog. Right out to Petty Harbor, then back to the overpass. We sped right on out through the ghouls. I puffed along up to Fermuse and got a chance to catch my breath when he ran out of gas. I was not nervous in the least about his big Alberta beast. With all the chrome accessories, it weighed near seven tons. The engine's very large, of course, the power of 400 horse, but he just had six lousy gears and I got 21. As we raced through Newfoundland, my two poor legs were rubber bands. Heart was pounding wildly like a teenage boy in love. My two feet on the pedal stem spinned at 90 RPM up on my mountain bike out on the Tour de Terre-Neuve. Teary-eyed, my vision was blurred when we got out to Baby Bird. But I could hear him catching up and he wasn't very far. And then I saw to my right side a path about a meter wide. I cut in, it was just enough to clear my handlebars. As Johnny quickly cut the wheel, his stickers all began to peel. A hubcap rolled on down the road and the moose rack fell apart. He cracked the strut and he bent a rod. The fancy truck came all abroad and wobbled off the road just like a rusty shopping cart. The tie rod bent, he couldn't steer, cracked off the two big side view mirrors. Turned around and brought up in a ditch about eight feet down. The truck so mighty and enormous tangled up, now all ours form us as I got back on me bike and rode it back to town. <laughs> he pulled it out eventually and put it up on Kijiji. Sold it off reluctantly and he bawled a bucket full. He proudly brought her from Fort Mac and now she's in a yard for scrap. And Johnny beats around now on a brand new bicycle. <laughs> Thank you. So there you go, Dave Petty and Johnny Chrome. Where did you get the idea for it? Oh, straight out of real life. <laughs> Pretty much. It happened. It, not obviously. I, I, I may have embellished it a little bit, um, but uh, oh, no, I just had a little altercation here every day when I'm riding a bike around St. John's. And there um, was that big influx all of a sudden of these great big huge pickups at one point in our history that I think most people would would absolutely relate to. 
Yes, and the funny thing is, and I think it's a universal, I don't know about universal, but uh, at least a national thing because I, uh, I, I sang it in Ontario at a folk festival and people got a, a charge out of it. So, whereas some of the ones like, I don't know, Dark and L, not to change the subject, but like some of the very specific songs and recitations, you know, you might not get off the island but that one that that one seems to be pretty universal so and it's hilarious because uh, I was downtown I think it was last year and uh, and this great big truck went up the road with with the windows down and that sound cranking I thought it was hilarious <laughs> so the Ontario <laughs> crowd could even uh, relate to Ars Formis <laughs> I don't know about that but uh, anyway they got the, the theme of it they I got suppose. the gist <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, it's a great little observation, and um, you know the 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 liter- literacy involved in all of that as well, uh, and to get the the voice right because you know you've you've got the Newfoundland vernacular, you've got the Newfoundland <laughs> way of presenting things, but also in a very uh, lyrical kind of way. Oh, nice to hear. Yeah, I guess a lot of that comes from. You know, having heard similar styles of writing over the years, I'm a big fan of uh, of Mark Walker's um, writing. Mark Walker wrote Tickle Cove Pond and The Andes of Plate Cove and other old songs. A lot of old songs have very clever turns of phrase, you know. So, and I forgot to mention earlier when you asked about, uh, you know, how I got into that, into recitations and unaccompanied songs. Uh, the homebrew show when I was a kid not the homebrew show the Irish Newfoundland show used to have smoke rooms and stage hits so every week there was a recitation on it whether it was uh, Buddy Wesley and other fellers or uh, Francis Colbert or Ted Russell so and I was really got a kick out of that segment so but there you go and Ted Russell well is there anyone was there anyone better Really? No, probably not. <laughs> just, just absolutely brilliant. But um, storytelling isn't your only claim to fame. I understand you're a bit of an entrepreneur as well. Oh, sure. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Old, old mini donuts, Dan. <laughs> How'd you get into that? Oh, that was just something. I went from a from a mini. I used to go to the farmers market every week uh, and and get mini donuts. And and at the regatta too, <laughs> so I got to know the owners. And then when my son was born, when he became of mini donut age three, he wanted them every week. <laughs> so then um, I was I, I just kept after them. You know, let me know when you retire. <laughs> so I, I I just sort of got into it that way. I was in line, and uh, and I, that was five years ago, and I've been that, I've doing it ever since. It used to be called Adam's Mini Donut. Deadly mini donuts now, so I'm at the farmers market every week, uh, every Saturday, and at the regatta too. There you go, shameless plugs, uh, uh, yeah. a plenty. Um, yeah. I had a cat that was really into mini donuts. Would you believe? If oh, you... I get them. I get that more than once. Can you put a, a, a can you put a plain one aside for the dog or the cat? Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. We you couldn't keep him on the counter. You had to hide him away because the cat would get him, and off he go with this donut in his mouth. And you're like, oh my gosh, he's got one again. How did he get it? <laughs> and you and he growl if you try to take him away. The cat would growl. The cat would growl. <laughs> there you go. Like a little warning. Eh, you're not getting this. <laughs> 
maybe I should write something about it. But um, I was just going to say, here's a perfect example right now. That's the, the nuts are turning. Our, uh, the, the gears are turning. That's, that's been pretty much how it happened. Yeah, it, it's uh, just one of those strange little uh, observations, I suppose. Oh, yeah. Well, when... A real-time... When... Seed has been planted. There you go. You've got a new piece out, and we want, I want to talk to you a little bit about that. We're up to another break. So uh, mm-hmm. we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about who stole the rack for mini spoons coming up right <laughs> after this. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. Our guest today is Dave Penny, a Newfoundland entertainer, <laughs> entrepreneur, and um, he's got some other talents as well which we might get into in a minute but uh uh, you've got a new piece out tell us about this one right yeah who stole the rack for mini spoons there it's it's one of those ones i don't know it doesn't have a story behind it at all it's just kind of well it's, it's kind of like what just happened in this conversation i was talking to a friend of mine um and we we got into I don't know that somehow in the conversation the mini spe- the, uh, a mini spoon like the Newfoundland shaped mini spoon rack came into the conversation I don't know how like we were you know we just I, re- I really can't recall how the conversation went but oh you remember those spoon racks you never see those anymore everybody had one and and I said you know it'd be a good idea to write a song about one of those I don't know how like there's no you know um, it. You know, I, I really, I really don't know why I, I even had that thought. But the point is now, now that you know, now that I have the song out, everybody says that. Oh no, my nan had one of those. I don't know where it is anymore. So I wonder where all of these spoon racks are gone. But it's a good point in the conversation actually to to bring in my good buddy Dant, Dant Lee. Three years ago, he and I started playing together so um we met at uh aaron's well we met years ago but then we met again at a uh, a session at a traditional session there a few years back and said you know we should get something on the go we should start playing playing together because he's a fantastic musician so he's playing the guitar on this track and um you know he and i gig regularly together now so that's a little plug for don lee uh yeah and we have a bunch of songs out so but as for the mini spoon rack one there isn't any story behind it or suggestion it just kind of came out of nowhere but um it's funny it's a it's a part of newfoundland history that i think uh, everybody instantly as soon as you say a rack for mini spoons everybody instantly <laughs> pictures it in their mind's eye and it's always the shape of newfoundland and if you were in labrador it would be the shape of labrador um and i can remember my it was a phenomenon i guess in the 80s or early 90s uh, everybody had good. one and uh, yeah. i can remember my uncle making the observation because he used to do a little bit of woodwork and he made this one of the newfoundland island and put the racks <laughs> the spoons on it and he looked at me and he said so seriously he said did you ever see anything more beautiful? And what he was thinking <laughs> about was the, just the geographic shape of Newfoundland. He found so pleasing and heartwarming. Uh, you know, he, he attributed this, this geographic shape to this, this thing of beauty, uh, which I found really said something about Newfoundland. <laughs> it is. Well, you see it in the clouds sometimes. Yes, we, we <laughs> do. Just, and it's all over Facebook when it. it does happen. Yeah. So, um, without further ado, we'll play this now. Who stole the rack for mini spoons? 
Dave Penny. Who stole the rack for mini spoons? It was here before. A piece of board cut out like Newfoundland and Labrador. 47 mini teaspoons, 47 pounds. On the wall since 82 and never taken down. My cousin called the other day and asked me what was on the go these days. Said that he's in Nan's kitchen with Aunt Rhonda go and get a flight back home before next Saturday. He said the kitchen's gutted out and you should come right away. It seems that our grandparents lost part of our inheritance when I saw a picture of the wall I noticed right away. But I live in Toronto, so why did they call on me? Cause I'm a 32-year veteran of the RCMP. I hadn't planned on making my way back for come home year, but people can be sentimental about their souvenirs. So I hopped on the next plane for the join in on the case. Cause nothing showed up here on the spoon map database. I arrived there with the hope that when I took out my big notepad and started asking questions, someone would turn themselves in. But this is a small town. Not many people visit, just friends and relatives. I suppose it's not an inside job now, is it? Who stole a rack for mini spoons? It was here before. A piece of board cut out like Newfoundland and Labrador. 47 mini teaspoons, 47 towns. On the wall since 82 and never taken down. It was nice to see my crowd. They said the same to me. But not a word was said about the unsolved mystery. I wasted no time getting started on my interviewing. Asking everyone where they were to and what they were all doing. On the night the spoon rack disappeared and one by one they cleared her name by having a good reason for not being there that evening. I didn't want to start a full-blown investigation tried to be discreet in my town interrogation who stole a rack for mini spoons it was here before a piece of board cut out like Newfoundland and Labrador 47 mini teaspoons 47 towns been on the wall since 82 and never taken down it's been a week since I've been home. Nobody is telling me or anybody else who took the spoon rack from the dwelling. I didn't see it anywhere, so it was not returned. But why was I the only one who was either a bit concerned? I jumped to a conclusion it was just a big reunion everybody was invited and that's why they called me and my Aunt Rhonda was in charge of gathering up supplies needed 47 spoons for 47 cups of tea nobody stole the spoon rack sure nothing here was wrong I guess I've been policing for 30 years too long that wooden map was not the reason that I got the call and it's back up in its rightful place on the kitchen wall now how many people are going to be going out to their uh, basements and their attics <laughs> and their closets now this weekend looking for their mini spoon rack and putting it back up in the shed somewhere that would be great Start something new <laughs> but what did Bring happen to back. them they were everywhere one time <laughs> they were i don't know i don't know where they are i don't know if they're burned or if they're or, or what? But, they went uh, out of fashion. That, simple as that. That and the old pictures of Joey. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Everybody had a picture of Joey in the kitchen. <laughs> yep. Well, it's a it's a great little observation. I guess a bit of a true crime. 
That's what I say when when we play it, yeah. And it's also a good uh, a good example of how when you got somebody with you, and in this case, uh, in this case, Dan, since Dan and I have been playing, then I, then you can sort of branch out and try other things. You know, we like because before, because I played accordion. So, um, you know, I was doing songs, unaccompanied songs, recitations, accordion tunes, songs with accordion. Uh, but since Dante and I started playing, now, you, you know, I can pretty much do whatever I want because he can accompany whatever, <laughs> whatever comes his way. Uh, and I love the challenge. So, uh, it's, yeah, it's great to have, have him on board. Yeah, I think that's one of the more musical, like musical, musical, musical ones that you, I've heard you do. Yeah, for sure. We we recently did an album called Chipwagon Ahead, and he's on every track. Um, so, and, and we do a bluegrassy number and a bluesy number and songs with accordion, accordion tunes. You know, we, you know, he can do it all. So, and that gives me a little bit of freedom to to try something new, also. You know, so it's great. And I think that's a great segue to find out what you're doing this summer. Uh, when we come back, we'll find out. Uh, our guest today is Newfoundland raconteur, singer, songwriter, entertainer, Dave Penny. We'll be back right after this. Every Saturday is perfect for a night at the cabin. The Cabin Party with Brian O'Connell. Saturday night starting at 7 p.m. on VOCM. My guest today is Dave Penny, and we've heard some of his work now over the last hour. Dave, what kind of a summer have you got ahead of you? Oh, actually, uh, it's going to be great, especially um, in this in this kind of weather. Right now, when I get up, not right now, but when I get off the phone here, I'm headed over to uh, Ian Foster's place. He's going to record a video of me and Dante. I got a song called The Lager Strike that I wrote a long time ago, not a long time ago, but I don't know, about 12 years ago, and it's one of the few serious songs that I have about the Lager Strike of 59. Um, and actually it was published in a book called uh, um, Music of Our Burnished Axes, which, is, which was uh, great to see. And now we're going to make a video of it for a project that to be honest, I'm not sure how much I can say about it. So all I can say there is that um, I don't know. Keep an eye on my on my social network or my social media stuff. But anyway, the point is that's where I'm going now. After this, um, we're playing in Holyrood <laughs> in a few weeks, and then there, of course the folk arts or the folk art society, Newfoundland Labrador folk art or folk festival is coming up soon. Um, at the Battery Cafe on the 20th of July. So, yeah. I haven't been on the ball when it comes to to actually traveling around. And the mini donuts tends to uh, take precedence often because <laughs> it just does. The summer was, is short. It is short, especially in this province. Um, you mentioned the logger strike of 59. Was it difficult to transition from, you know, kind of a wry outlook or an amusing outlook to something that was so incredibly uh, serious and, and perhaps one of the darkest periods of Newfoundland history? Yeah, it was. And that actually, that was work, really, because I found, I heard the story. I hadn't heard it growing up. Um, and when I read about it, 
um, in 2005 or no, before that. And yeah, 2005 or so. I thought, how did I not hear about this? It's fascinating. Uh, and it was before the Badger Ride book came out, so I, you know, I don't know, it just wasn't a well-known thing, at least in my generation. So I was intent on buckling down and writing a song about it because I couldn't even find songs about it. There is one about Land and Lad, um, but at the time I hadn't even heard that one. So... Um, yeah, uh, so it was it was a bit of a struggle because I hadn't learned about it, and then because it's a strike with very two, uh, you know, that was very divis- divisive in the province. I didn't want to sort of saw it, take one side or, again, or the other. You know, I just wanted to sort of tell a narrative of it. So, and uh, and it was such a fascinating thing. I, I didn't want to make the song twelve minutes long, but I easily could have. Um, but yeah. So as opposed to sort of making up something straight out of my head, you know, to actually to actually write a song about a true story, you, you know, in the right way was a bit of a struggle. And I got one about the 1892 fire, which is also not hasn't been written about in song, surprisingly. So. Is that right? That surprises me in many ways. Yeah. Funny enough, there's even a beer named after it, at least. I think that's what the beer is named after, but no song, so whatever there is now <laughs> <laughs> very good was it like you say you know was it hard to strike that right balance when you're talking about something that still to this day even 60 odd years later is so contentious that was in particular yeah because there were i don't know i just really didn't want to and that was before um you know before things got really divisive in the in general uh you know even back then i didn't want to sort of I don't know, I didn't want to ruffle any feathers because, you know, I'm sure there's still, you know, emotions about that very incident, you know, and there were a lot of key points that I wanted to make sure got in the song. So, so yeah, that one took a while. When it comes to a song, like, how do you strike the tone there, you know, um, with, you know, musically, if you will? I don't know. I actually... Actually, because I recorded that one in 2009 on Stories and Strangers, but then I made a couple of changes, to be honest, so I recorded it again, and all turned around. I don't know. I just wanted to. I wanted to do it with, so I don't know. Uh, But to answer your question, um, I I wrote the melody three times. I don't know. I just really stressed over that one. I stressed over it, but I I really worked on that one, I must say, so... I don't know, it's just kind of a, uh, it definitely has a dark, a dark, somber melody to it. Because I love melodies of a lot of old ballads, like the Greenland disaster. And, you know, I I really wanted to get a melody as as that. But, you know, that that's just, a lot of those old ballads have, you know, very haunting melodies to them. So... Do you do a lot of the, you know, uh, come gather round type of introductions to some of your pieces that, you know, the, the tradition right. used to be come, you the know. Come all ye stuff. Yeah. yeah, no, I never did. I, I did. I used to, but I, that's the only come all ye song I wrote. But I used to do, there's a song called The Water Witch about the shipwreck up in po- uh, Pooch Cove. Um, so there have been a few that I, you know that I used to sing over the years. I'm after forgetting some of them, but uh, but I do love them. That's for sure. 
but but that's for original songs that's the only one with actual Kamali in it you know but that's a very popular refrain for ballads yeah and um, on a lighter note, um, mm-hmm. we all are familiar, no doubt, with the, it's kind of a nationalist theme, uh, really, in a lot of ways. You know, I'm a Newfoundlander born and bred, and I'll <laughs> be one till I die. It's got that word bread in it, but it's B-R-E-D. Um, you wrote one about B-R-E-A-D. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that's just a buddy of mine, uh, John Goss, his name is, we we. We do that all the time, foolishness. That's a parody, of course, of of uh, the Islander that Bruce Mass wrote. Uh, and and at the time we were we were doing parodies of everything, and we still do carrying on, and a lot of people do. So which is great, you know. It, I don't know, and it's just one of those things where um, I don't know. I think he came up with the, well, I know he came up with the line. And then when I started writing verses to it, it, it ended up, you know, being hilarious. I don't, I don't mean hilarious, a hilarious song. It's just, it's just silly enough. It's kind of one of those things where it's silly enough to be, um, you know, funny on its own, just because it's, it's a ridiculous theme, kind of like the mini spoons. You know, whenever I hear it, I got to chuckle because uh, surely this is the only mini spoon song being played and and likewise you know it's the only baking bread song that I know of anyway so <laughs> well <laughs> I let's love silly light themes in general you know and parodies tend to go that way when I was a kid and even now a big Weird Al fan so you know everybody loves a good parody <laughs> well we were going to play it but we don't have enough time to do that uh, right now but uh, Dave I want to uh, thank you very much for joining us have fun now putting together your video or maybe it's not so fun I'm not sure <laughs> but yeah. uh, all the best with you and that and have a happy Father's Day Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Have a great weekend. And we'll be back on Monday. We're going to be talking more about mining and some of the exciting things happening there when we come back on Monday. Stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great weekend. And to all the dads out there, happy Father's Day.